It's so good to be here this morning. Wow, okay. I, I can be, my wife says I can be a loud mouth no matter what, so that's okay. I just first and foremost want to say thank you. It's so blessed to be part of the fellowship in this church. I really thank God that I'm here, that I'm part of this body. I remember coming over four and a half years ago and coming in and sitting down and, and being this, and I just want to express you know, some of you, I know your names. Some of you, I don't know your names. I got to be honest. I haven't memorized everybody. But I am thankful to be part of the body of Christ here at Echo Lake Baptist Church and to be part of your lives as you are part of our lives. It is such a blessing. Well, you know, as I think about, I'll be 68 years old this year. Ooh. It's, it's like an old man. And, um, but I'm not as old as Barry. Okay, I'll say that in a second service. So I, I'm not as old as Barry. <clears throat> Nobody is. That's exactly right. But I remember when I was young, I heard the expression, wisdom comes with age. And I remember thinking, that was so stupid. And I said, why would that be? I thought I knew everything. I thought I had everything figured out. It was like, done. I mean, I was, I was there. I arrived. And then I realized it wasn't wisdom comes with age. Wisdom comes with life experience. And I guess the longer you live, the more life experience you get. And so as I was looking in the Bible and I was thinking about what I'm going to preach on and what I'm going to share, I couldn't help but to think of Peter. And I, I'm going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. And the reason I chose that and the reason I thought about that is I thought of Peter and, you know, he was with Christ. He was the apostle. He was sort of the lead apostle. You know, he uh, fed, he helped feed the 5,000 when Jesus did that. He, he gave that sermon. Uh, 3,000 people were saved. I like Pastor last week. He was the one who liked to suck on his toes sometimes and put his foot in his mouth. I remember him saying that. And, you know, but he was just there. He was, at Mount, he was at the transfiguration with Christ. And he was doing all these things. And he, he lived that life. He was there when Jesus rose into heaven. But when he wrote 2 Peter, it was about 30 years later. It's in the 60 ADs. And he's talking to the church in Rome. And I couldn't help but think, what was his life like from when Christ died to when he's giving that message. Wisdom comes with life experience. And so as I looked at 2 Peter and I saw what was in that first chapter, it reminded me that what Peter wanted us to remember was our identity. I love the songs that we sang this morning about heart, because we're going to talk about heart today, because it really is important. But it made me think of identity. What's our identity? And when I think of identity, if I get pulled over by a police officer, which I have been pulled over by police officers sometimes, and it was in good things. Oh, I put my wallet up there. I hid it because I didn't want to have my pocket. But what's, what's, how do you show a police officer your identity? You pull out what? Your driver's license. You pull out your driver's license. That's your picture. It's your identity. If you go to the airport, you got to pull out your driver's license. You got to show them that. I even have a little passport card in my license. I got one of those little passport cards if I travel international. But there's a document that supports that, isn't there? What's that document that supports that? Your birth, you are good. It's your birth certificate. It's the day you were born, who your parents were, what country you were born in. It defines if you're a United States citizen or from another country in that process. It's your identity in this world. And so when I thought about this message, I thought about Thailand, what's in your wallet? Not Capital One. I knew I would get somebody, would, I knew somebody would bite at that this morning. What's in your wallet? But then I wanted to change it to what's in your heart. Because what's in the wallet is your identity in this world. 
what's in your heart is your identity in the next world. And so as we talk about today, we're going to talk about what I call the salvation card. Not the driver's license, but the salvation card to what is in your wallet. So let's turn to 2 Peter. It's somewhere here. The Pew Bible's there. I'll find the, uh, oh, it's on page 957. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to read the first 15 verses. I think it'll be up there as well. <clears throat> Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them, and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Let's pray. Lord, as we read your word, Lord, I pray that you would help us to recall, that you would remind us of what's in our heart, that you would just speak to us this day, Lord. You know where we're at in life. You know the challenges that we may have. You know the joys that we may be going through, the hard times. You know us intimately and deeply. And so, Lord, I'm glad that you brought this body together today that we may worship you as we've worshiped you. We may glorify you. We may lift you up and lay ourselves at your feet. For in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I think about what's in your heart. And when I think of the salvation card, I, I think about what Peter's trying to, to get across to these Christians. I, I, I love the songs that we sang this morning. They were just perfect. And, and Stephanie was preaching the message. You know, because it talked about trials and tribulations. If you look at 1 Peter, he's talking to, the, to the, the Christians in Rome that are suffering trials and persecution. 
In 2 Peter, he's going to be talking about false prophets and, and, and ones that are going to be coming to dilute the word. And so he's wanting to help them to remember what's important. It's so easy to forget what's important. But I liked who he's talking to, those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. He's talking to believers, those of equal standing. He's, it's like us today. You came today because you wanted to be here. Nobody forced you, or maybe somebody did. I don't want to say maybe or not. Nobody forced you to get in your car, get dressed, and come into church. You came because you wanted to come. I look at each one of you as one with me. We're here to glorify God. And so as we do this together, we're here to, to learn from his word and to remember what's in our heart. And so as I look at verse 3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's reminding us. But then it says, though, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. God called us to his glory and excellence. What I want to remind us in that first C for card is called. I want us to think back of when God called you and me to himself. I remember when I was working at DuPont, I was a mechanical engineer. I graduated from Columbia University and, and we moved to South Carolina and Melody and I were married and had two children and, and I was in this little cubby room, 10 by 10 with no windows, doing this test at 11 o'clock at night yeah, and, uh, as an engineer. And I was gone a lot of hours. I, you know, it was probably, I look back and it's probably one thing I would do differently is, is not work quite as many hours, but that's what the job was and there was no cell phones and I was there and but I remember one night, and as I was just sitting there perplexed and just thinking about what was life all about, and, you know, Melly and I, we, we both, I thought I was saved. I, was, I thought I was a Christian. We were going to a Southern Baptist church. We were doing youth ministry there. We were doing children's church at the church. Uh, I was a Gideon. Um, one of the senior engineers found out that I, was a, I thought I was a Christian and said, you know, can you be a Gideon? I said, sure. And so I was giving the Gideon message about how the Gideons put Bibles in hotel rooms and things. And, and so I had this head knowledge. And part of it is because I was raised a Catholic. I thank God for my Catholic upbringing. I, mean, I, I had a lot of knowledge. Uh, I remember I was an altar boy. I, I rang the bells and I swung the incense and I poured the wine and sipped the wine sometimes, I got to be honest. And um, it was, it was part of the, but I, I had that head knowledge. But as I was sitting there at DuPont, I was sitting at my desk, and I was just contemplating life. And even though I had given this message about God's salvation and how he would, people would read his word and open it up and, and just feel the call of God in their lives, and they would give their life to Christ, and they would have that assurance of eternity and salvation. And I, and I thought about that, and all of a sudden I realized, I said, you know, if I died today, I didn't have the assurance that I would go to heaven. I really didn't know. I said, Lord. And it was at that moment that I really felt the call of God in my life. It wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't something of that nature. It was just this heart tug of, of realizing what the enormous, enormity, that's not a good word. The, the, in, what, what? Enormity. Enormity, is that a word? Yeah. Okay, good, okay. It is now. The enormity of, of, of what was on me. And so I, 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 I kid you, I got on my knees 
and I, and I said the Lord's Prayer, and I, I, I said John 3.16, and I, I asked Jesus to come into my life. I, I, I felt that calling from him. And, and, I, and I repeated, I said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And it's at that moment that I really understood what it meant to be a Christian. And I got up a lot quicker then. And, 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 and it wasn't like I heard bells, and what, but something changed. I had that assurance. I had that. I had, God called me that night. A year later, Melody got baptized, and and my son Matthew did, and we were, uh, and they were all like amazed when we walked the aisle at a Baptist church, in a Southern Baptist church, and and I've been doing all this work, and they were like, "Oh, we thought you were already saved," but you never know when God's going to give that call. And so the first thing in in what's in your heart is, have you had the call of God? I just want you to take a moment to close your eyes. This is going to be a hard exercise, to close your eyes. If you're at home, close your eyes. And I want you to think about that moment, that time when you came to an understanding that God called you to understand that Jesus died for your sins. Maybe you were a child. Maybe your parents shared that with you. Maybe they prayed with you and led you and, and, and you sensed God's call in your life. Maybe you were in a Sunday school class or a VBS and you, you felt God's call in your life. Maybe you were a teenager and you were at camp around a fire and, and somebody was sharing the good news and, and you felt God's call to open up your heart. The Holy Spirit worked in that. Maybe you were an adult. Maybe there was a loss of a loved one. Maybe there was illness hardship, and somehow God drove you to that, much like myself in that room in DuPont. Some people could be on their deathbed. It's never too late to hear God's call. But I want you to think of that moment because we'll reflect on that a little bit later. You can open your eyes. I pray that you know you can look back at that Because it's that calling from God that is so important to when life's difficulties come, when challenges come, when hardships come, to think about that flag that you put in a stand that I am called by God. He called me. I didn't call him. He called me. He opened up my eyes. The Holy Spirit revealed himself to me. And I responded in faith. And that brings me to the A in card, C-A-R-D. Let's look at verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may be partakers of the divine nature. We're adopted. We're partakers of the divine nature. We're no longer of this world of the next. We've been transformed. Our minds have been renewed. We're partakers of the divine. That is like mind-blowing stuff to me. Partakers of the divine nature. God has put himself in us through the Holy Spirit. We are now partakers of that divine. We have been adopted by God. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. It's a hard concept to grasp. We are his 
and he's put us in that. And he's going to give us a little bit of, he's going to give us some things that we should live by in that process as we're adopted children. And, I, you know, because it's by faith you've been saved through grace. It's not of yourself. It's God's gift. So we exercise. He, opened, he called us, and by faith we answered that calling, and we're adopted into him. And then he tells us what life should be like. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. He wants us to live virtuous lives in him. And with virtue... What does he go on to say? With knowledge. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I love the... The reason I love this church is because the church loves the word. It's all about the word of God. We want to grow in knowledge. We're always challenged to get into the word. We're challenged to have our devotions. We're challenged to go to men's Bible study or women's Bible studies because it's to get in the word and to grow in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because we need to grow. I don't know about you, when I had my little children, I wanted them to go to school. I wanted them to grow up. I wanted them to learn how to navigate life's thing. God wants the same for us. And one thing I've learned, you never stop learning. I thought I had it all figured out, and I realized I didn't, so I had to learn more. But you never stop learning. And then with knowledge, self-control. That's a tough one, self-control, but we learn self-control. And self-control with steadfastness, how we can stand firm in the gospel. Think about who he's talking to. Those are going to be false prophets and false teachers are coming. How are they going to stand steadfast? They need to have that knowledge and they need to have that self-control. And that steadfastness with godliness and godliness to me was that that's what we represent to others. People see our godliness, and it's something that exudes from us. And with godliness, brotherly affection. How do we love each other? You know, brotherly affection. Sometimes I find it hard to love Mark, but I, I, I do anyways. But with brotherly affection, it, it, it's, it's a good thing. You know, when he steals all the cookies sometimes, you know, but uh, no. But the, with, and with brotherly affection, love. It's, it's, it goes from faith to love. That's what our Christian walk is to be like. We're adopted children of God. And in that adoption, he wants us to act like it. He wants us to help us to do that. Because what he says, therefore, if these qualities are yours, in verse 8, and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He does not want his children to be ineffective and unfruitful. What's in your heart? Have you received God's calling? Have you accepted the adoption as his children? Are you growing in these fruits of the Spirit, per se? That we can be not unfruitful, but fruitful. Good job. I thought, you know, I, I, you know, it, it, I, I like participating. I mean, it, it's, it's fun. You know, so it, that we can be fruitful. Not that we can be ineffective, but if what effective. Thank you very much. But so we can be effective. God wants us to be effective. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to bear fruit in our lives with those around us. He wants us to have that adoption because we're His. It's His power in us, not us. It's His power that's carrying us in that process. And we hit the thing and the counter's all gone and now it says one minute. 
that's a good thing. Okay, so I'll try to, okay, there we go. Let me see where I'm at now. Okay, so let's go to the next one. C stands for? Calling. Calling. A stands for? Okay, we're doing good. I, I like this. Now, as we go through, there's this hard verse here, you know, because everything's not always peaches and cream. Sometimes things can be difficult. We go through hard times. We go through doubts. We go through illnesses or tragedy. We lose a job. The bills aren't getting paid. Life can be difficult. I, I appreciate what Stephanie shared today. Life is not a bed of roses. And so these things are going to be challenged. And what he says here in verse 9, for whoever lacks these qualities, so he goes back into, if you lack these qualities, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. If you find your life, and sometimes it's a slow drip. Sometimes it's like this little step each day. You know, maybe you miss church one Sunday. You know, something comes up. And then all of a sudden, eh, the next Sunday. Or you're doing your Bible study, and you're really good, and you're really focused on it, and you get four days in a row, and, and I've done this. I mean, I, there's this, this prayer app, and I go through that, and it logs in each day, one day, two days, three days, four days. And, you know, I think one time I got up to 35 days in a row, and I was like, I'm just like, whoo, I'm strutting. And then I miss a day. Oh, I broke the streak. And then I miss the next day. And all of a sudden, it's harder to pick up the... the it, it, these things happen, or struggles take place. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves unfruitful and ineffective because we're, we're stepping away. And it's at this point that we need to be restored. I like what he says in the last part of that verse. That he says, For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. For in this way, you will be richly provided for you and enter, okay, or I'm going to go, oh, nearsighted. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. What they forgot and what Stephanie was sharing, in the, in the, God is good. And I was thinking, God called you. And in that calling, he is good. What he's reminding us that you've forgotten what good he's done for you. You've forgotten what he's done to pay for your sins, to set you free, to make you an adopted child of God. He wants to restore to you the joy of his salvation. It made me think of a Bible character. It made me think of Joseph. Uh, no, David. It made me think of David. Did Joseph for David. David was a young man. He killed the lion and the bear, right? He went to Goliath. When they were fighting the Philistines and this little shepherd boy who comes out with this audacity and says, you know, I am going to kill Goliath. Who is he to stand against the almighty God? And Saul's like, really? You know, and he, he says, okay, you know, I'll give you my armor. And, and David goes out there and does what? He takes a sling and a stone, he whips it and he kills Goliath. He's the guy that had a band of men and Saul now is trying to kill him, but he doesn't kill Saul. Even though those men said, hey, he's delivered him into your hand, take him. He says, no, he's God's anointed. I can't do that. He was a man after God's own heart. But he was also the man that looked across the rooftops and saw Bathsheba. 
something happened in his life. Maybe he was adrift or whatever. He took Bathsheba, and then he has her husband murdered. He kills. He may not have done it with his own physical hand, but you know, he, he, had, he put him in a place to have it done. Here is a man after God's own heart who did all these great things, and look at where his life is. Let's go to Psalm 51. I'm going to go to Psalm 51 for a moment here because I want to read some of the words that he has there. It's right in the middle of the Bible. I always like to look for it. Here we go. Psalm 102. There's a lot of Psalms. Oh, here we go. Psalm 51, verse 7. It's on page 443. So let's read. Now, if David's done this thing with Bathsheba, she had the baby, lost the baby. And so he's going to go through here and he's going to have some lament. In verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Verse 8, of course, I got to change the page. I love that part. There we go. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. But David is praying that God would restore to him the joy of his salvation. Not David's. It's Restore to me the joy of your salvation, what you did in my life, how you forgave my sins, how you set me free, how you've adopted me to be your child. Restore to me that, that, that time. Give that back to me, Lord. Help me to, to get my eyes off of, of this world and back to your world, back to who I am in Christ, back to who I am in you, because I've gone astray. And when I think of, we've got God's calling. That's why I wanted you to think about that calling. When God called you and adopted you into his family. Because when these hard times come, and they will come. They've come in my life. And they will come in your life. And I'm sure some of them already have. It's going to be going back to that salvation that God has done in your heart. That's my challenge for you today. And that's what Peter wanted you to understand. He wanted you to know that it wasn't about what you do. It's not about what you accomplish. It's not about what all the good. It's about what he has done for you. Restore to me your salvation. So I ask you, what's in your heart? Have you had the call of God? I, gotta be, I thought I did for many years. I thought I was a Christian. And then I received the call and I realized I wasn't. The Holy Spirit opened up my eyes. And I began that life of adoption with its many ups and downs. But many times my wife and I would pray and it would take us back to that moment when God called us and made us his. And we remembered that. And we could stand firm in that. We could stand strong in that. We did not have to, to, to waver from that. We knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that we were a child of God. Our salvation was assured. I was no longer a child of this world. I was a child of heaven. 
I like the expression. I remember the expression. I don't know if somebody else coined it or I coined it. It was an expression. You know, you've heard the one, don't be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Like your head's in the clouds all the time. Like, you know, you hear that. You're like, oh, you talk about God. You're, you're so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. Get your head back on the ground. I like to think about you need to be so heavenly minded that you can be earthly good. Because it's so true. We, we need to keep our eyes on the target. We need to keep our eyes on the fact that this is not the end. It is just the beginning. No matter what trials happen in our lives, it is only the beginning. God is so good that he takes care of us in that process there. He is so good to each one of us. And as I look at what he wants to communicate, as Peter is writing this, in the last days of his life, he's wanting to make sure they get this message that he's so good. And then he says in verse 10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to do what? To confirm your calling. Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling. Remember that. Don't let go of it. Hide it in your heart. Hold it in your heart. Uphold that. For in this way you will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. That is our ticket. It's, the G- it's, it's Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one gets to the Father but through Him. And that's what it's all about. As we pray for our family members, as we pray for those who may not know Him, it's this in that process. Now, I know you're thinking, maybe thinking, possibly, Frank did C is calling. A was good, adoption. R is restore. You're probably wondering what the D is. I'm not going to tell you. I want to challenge you this week to, to really, my challenge this week is for you to really think about that, that calling, that adoption. And I want you to take a, take a moment and journal. This is a really, you know, journal back. For some of us, it's many years ago. It may be a, a faint memory, but journal when you accepted Christ, when you accepted the calling from God. Take a moment to write it down, to put it in the book, and to think about that. And as you go through that, read these words and think about what the D might stand for because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to reveal a D in your life. I always hate to say D because you think of D, F, A, B, C, D, but it's, it's a good D. It's not a bad D. You know, a D in your life that you can finish that salvation card with. I, I, know, I have a D in my head but I want to challenge you to come up with that D. I want to give you a task to to think of what that D would be because it's important for us to take the word of God and to chew on it and to try to to grow in that process. So it's not the capital one card. It's the salvation card. What's in your heart? Because it is all about our heart because what is in your heart is where your treasure is. And so that's, that's what's so important. What's in your heart to stay? And so as we take a moment, and let me just pray for us.